Let us pray. Holy and loving God, by your Holy Spirit, give us the generosity of heart to continue to respond to your call our whole life long. Hold me up, God, that I might lift you up. Amen. Hear now a reading from Genesis. The Lord said to Abram, leave your land, your family, and your father's household for the land I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and will bless you. I will make your name respected and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, those who curse you I will curse. All the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. Abram left just as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. This is the word of God. I'm uh, Hudson Betts. And I'm Ronnie Betts, and this is our daughter Amelia. So before Amelia was born even, we created, we did research and we created a 529 plan for Amelia. Uh, so we had, instead of some of, like for baby shower, we had a few people donate towards her college fund instead of just getting us stuff. Uh, we started it with a certain amount of money. We have a budget category for it, so every month we put in a little bit more. And we actually said we want this amount of money in the future. Uh, we have to know 18 years, there's no <laughs> give on this. It's just working out as a great way to invest for her future and do it in a way that we can, we can budget for her. And she has enough that she could get an associate's right now if she wanted to. Um, she can't talk yet, but she could get a degree. <laughs> we have a will uh, that lays out how all of our assets should be distributed if anything were to happen to one of us or both of us. We will admit that we were pretty late on the wheel train. Uh, we actually only got the wheel set up this past December. Uh, you know, almost what six and a half years uh, after we got married. Essentially, it's yeah. not just simply a legal document. It's really it's a plan for taking care of our family. What are our wishes if something happens to us? Um, do our family know what we want done? And so, um, just making sure that we're okay. Since we're so big about budgeting, we also think about retirement and how we're going to uh, both afford retirement, how we're going to live retirement. You know, you don't just retire and sit on the beach. You know, God didn't put you on earth to go sit on the beach and drink beer all day. Uh, and so <laughs> you have to look at retirement as really just a change in a job. It's, it's a new opportunity to go out there and live a new part of your life. And so knowing that, uh, we have to say, okay, how do we, how do we get there? How do we, how do we uh, finance that future? And so uh, for us, that is done through you know, my uh, Works 401k program, um, but of course that's also not enough. I mean, you, you look at how much you have to save, and if you want something that's roughly the same quality of life as you live right now, uh, you have to save about 25% of your yearly salary. And so uh, we've been also saving up for um, uh, Roth accounts, you know, IRA accounts essentially, where we put a little bit more money in. And that's where I'd like to emphasize that it's kind of the same thing like with the tithe, that it's doing it gradually. It's not just jumping in 100% and going, yeah, it's all or nothing, um, because finding out a month or two down the road of like, oh, well, I couldn't afford to do this, that it's really discouraging. But just of the gradual process and kind of being like, oh, okay, we, it makes it more manageable. 
We have found as a result of our experiences budgeting and communicating on what's important in our lives that budgeting has not been for us a loss. It has not been about removing from our lives. It's really been about adding value. And just being very intentional with what we're given. behind on the wheel train <laughs> way ahead of me I was 31 years when I got married 31 years old when I got married which I know is not that unusual by today's standards but 18 years ago in my family y'all they'd given up all hope on me they were absolutely convinced I would be an old maid I was 32 years old when I had Michaela and I was just two weeks shy of being 35 years old when Zay was born, barely escaping being a geriatric pregnancy. <laughs> I turned 40 halfway through seminary, was 44 when I was ordained as a full elder in the United Methodist Church, and y'all, I'm gonna be 50 years old next year when my oldest graduates from high school. <laughs> And I'm hoping that that marks just the beginning of the second half of my life, which I don't think is entirely unlikely. I took a, um, a survey this past week that I found online, and um, it looks like if I continue to eat right and exercise a little bit and try not to jaywalk in busy intersections, <laughs> then it's fairly likely that I will live to be 93 years old. I was pretty impressed. And there's an off chance, if everything goes really well, that I could live to be 99. Apparently there's no chance that I'll live to be 100, which <laughs> kind of bums me out because that's been my plan all along. Y'all can take the same test if you want to. You just go to this website right here, blueprint, um, gosh, where did my notes go? Blueprintincome.com. And if you click under the resources tab on the longevity calculator, you too can know how long you might live. But you need to be careful because the very next question is, well, I have enough money to finance that life? I mean, it begs the question, how well have we prepared? for retirement, which is an important question because as Hudson so eloquently put it, God did not put us on this earth to sit on the beach and drink beer all day long. <laughs> Retirement's more of a job change, a new phase of life that's meant to be embraced. I was at the, one of the early Westlake High School football games this season. I went to the game that they played against Cypress Ranch, I know. Y'all, I wouldn't bring it up, except there is a story of redemption here. And it's a great sermon illustration for today. When we left during the third quarter of that game, y'all, Westlake was winning by a large margin. At the end of the third quarter, the score was 21 to three. I could not believe it when I found out the next day that Cypress Ranch had come back and won the game in the fourth quarter. 
I couldn't believe it. On a more positive note, and evidence that God does in fact redeem all things, apparently it motivated Westlake because that was just the second game of the season, and since then they haven't lost a single one. And when you figure that that includes the stomping they gave Lake Travis, I'd say it's probably worth it. The point is that there's always a fourth quarter in a football game. In the game, it ain't over until it's over. There's a lot that can happen in the fourth quarter of a football game. And the same holds true for the fourth quarter of our lives. Barring some accident or tragic illness, we're all going to have a fourth quarter. Just ask Abraham. Abraham, he was called Abram at the time, he was 75 years old when he left Haran. That's what scripture says. He was in the fourth quarter of his life, and if you know much about his story, you know that it was definitely not over. In fact, if you've read much of the Bible, you know that God often does the most amazing things through people who are in the fourth quarter of their lives. Today is the third and final week of our stewardship series, Your Money and Your Life. And during this series, which is based on Adam Hamilton's series that he did at the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection, we've been examining the perception that we sometimes have that we have to choose between money or accumulating wealth and living a rich, full, purposeful life. We've been challenging the idea that we sometimes subscribe to that somehow, somehow our lives are defined by our money or our wealth. What we've learned so far is that while the Bible definitely has a lot to say about money, it does not demonize money. It does, however, caution us against worshiping it. The Bible does say that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But it's the love of money, not money itself. Jesus says, you know, you can't love money and God because you can't serve two masters. But he doesn't pit money against life. But he says life is so much more than wealth and all the stuff it affords Jesus encourages us instead to properly order life and money so that money becomes one of just many gifts or resources that God has entrusted to our care with the hope and the desire that we would use all of those resources to serve God's purposes, which leads to that rich, full, purposeful life, that life that is so much more that Jesus calls us to. It's a life that's not over the minute we retire. Many times the first three quarters of our lives are just preparing us for that fourth quarter, which can be the most significant in our life. This was definitely the case for Abraham, or Abram as he was known until the fourth quarter. He was 75 years old when God called him to his greatest work. You may not know this, but Prior to the age of 75, there are only four verses in the Bible that talk about Abraham. But from the time he turned 75 until the end of his life, there are 371 verses that talk about Abraham's life. And Abraham was ready for it. He prepared well for his fourth quarter. 
According to Genesis 13.2, apparently he had done quite well in his investments because it says that he was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. And in the fourth quarter of his life, at the age of 75, God called Abraham and Sarah to leave their home in Haran and to travel to Canaan. Canaan was a land that God had promised to Abraham's ancestors, which was really perplexing to Abraham and Sarah because at that particular point in their lives, at the age of 75, they had no children. And I'm betting that the longevity calculator would not give them good odds that that was going to change in the last quarter of their life. But when they arrived in Canaan, God promised that Sarah would have a child and that from that child, Abram, Abraham and Sarah would birth a nation of so many that it would exceed the number of stars in the sky. And it was here that Abraham was told that he was blessed to be a blessing. He was blessed to be a blessing and he was told that all the families of the earth would be blessed through him. Abraham and Sarah, they did have a child and their child had children. And Abraham and Sarah's grandchild, Jacob, became Israel, the nation that became a light unto all nations. I wonder if you remember the goals that I invited you to consider the first week of this series. They were to get out of credit card debt, if you have any, to set a budget, if you haven't, and live by it, that was key, to live below your means, to become more generous each year, and to save for the fourth quarter. Have you planned well for your fourth quarter? There are a lot of retirement calculators that you can find online. I'd encourage you to check one of them out. And if you haven't started already, or if it turns out that you're behind, maybe step it up a little bit. Because oftentimes, even if you've had a very challenging first three quarters, even if you're behind, a lot can happen in the last quarter. Sometimes it's in the fourth quarter that you win the game. Preparing for and living in your fourth quarter, it's not simply about having plenty of money. I mean, we hear that in Jesus' parable about the man who retires and then dies the very next day. You can also end up getting bored. You can live a lonely or meaningless existence. I mean, at some point, for most retirees, there has to be more than leisure. There has to be more than sitting on the beach and drinking beer. The life that Jesus promises is so much more than all these things. It's definitely more than the amount of money that you have or the leisure activities that you're pursuing. This life is more about investing in God's work. It's about investing in the lives of others. Y'all, there are a lot of retirees in this church who do that very well. Retirees who chair committees, who lead significant ministries, ministries that change lives. Ministries like Kairos and Women's Storybook Project that minister to those who are in prison, 
like any baby can, that makes sure that parents can care for their newborn children, mobile loaves and fishes that feeds the homeless, and of course there's our hurricane relief efforts that continues to remain in the lives of those who have experienced devastation as a result of Harvey. There are numerous ministries in this church who are very devoted to caring for this congregation and for the people in the community around us who are lonely or sick, going through surgery or other difficult times in their lives. There are too many, too many ministries to name them all, but y'all do it quite well. Retirement, when we plan well for it, we're better able to serve oftentimes and to focus on ministry and service to God in the last quarter of our lives than we were ever able to before. At least I hope that's the case. I look forward to it. Y'all, I wonder if God is calling all of us. If God's calling every single one of us to birth a people, a vast people, more numerous than the stars in the sky, people of faith. I know that God has blessed us so that we can bless others. And I'm quite confident that God wants for all the families of the earth to be blessed. We need to have a vision for our fourth quarter, and we need to think about how we might fund it. We're having Financial Peace University, which will start in January of 2019. If you would like to learn more about budgeting or planning for the future or getting out of debt, how to be more faithful with the resources God's entrusted to you, it's a wonderful opportunity to learn. I encourage you to sign up for it. You can go to the Financial Peace University website even today and find our church and the dates that we're offering the class and sign up. We need to have a vision for our lives and it needs to be a God-sized vision. It should include probably a little bit of time on the beach, but it should also include investing in people, giving back, serving God with our life in ways that maybe we've never been able to before. When it includes all these things, I think that we'll all find that the fourth quarter of our lives becomes the very best of all. I know that you, like me and my husband, have been praying during these weeks leading up to today about how it is that God's calling you to commit your resources to the life and ministries of the church. In just a minute, we're going to have some music and we'll have some time for reflection where we can, if you haven't already filled out your pledge card, you can fill out your pledge card. If you don't have a pledge card, in just a minute you can raise your hand, or you can even raise your hand now if you want to, and the ushers will bring you one. But during this time of reflection, I invite you to open yourselves to the presence of God, to experience a gratitude that is a gift from God 
for the gifts we've been given and to ask God to move in your heart, to give you the wisdom and the vision to know how to give to this church in 2019. At the end of the time, and during that time, as you feel called, you can come forward and place your commitment card in this basin that is on the communion table. It's also a font. It's a vessel that we've used many times in this church to baptize children like Amelia, to dedicate our lives again and again and again back to God. At the end of that period of time, we will say a prayer, we'll bless and dedicate all that we're offering to God today. Y'all, this is a celebration. It's a celebration of all the gifts that God's given us, and it's an expression of gratitude and an expression of faith in a God who is both our beginning and our end. Remember our tree of life. It starts out in the Garden of Eden by rivers flowing with water that nourish its roots so that it can grow and thrive. And we see it again in Revelation, only now it's been transformed. It sprouts fruit that can feed and heal the nations, fruit of every kind. We are called to root ourselves in God deep by the water of the living Christ that we might be fed and nourished, that we might grow and bloom and bear much fruit, that all the nations would be blessed. Thanks be to God. Amen.